Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is correct. And right now we are breaking down season two, episode 18. The title is Partners. Partners. Will it hold up? We'll find out. Uh, first, let's catch up a little. Annie, what was your week like? What's going on? How's everything? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like we have a lot to catch up on and not a lot of time. So we have to consolidate this. Yeah, we're going to have to um, consolidate. The headline is uh, I'm moving to New York. So that is a big thing nice. that's happening in my life. So I'm uh, very excited. And Vermont would be better, but New York is fine. Very stressed. Listen, I'm drivable. <laughs> it's closer. I'm, that is... <laughs> <laughs> That's the best you're going to get for now. Um, so, yeah. Congratulations. So Thank you. I am so excited to be closer to friends and family. That is like the main thing. Um, of course, career stuff is is a tie for first with that, but ultimately closer to people that I care about and uh, good for career stuff. So it's this would uh, be no surprise cool. to anyone who's wa- listened to every episode of this podcast. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, you've done the entire podcast from California, and every week it's like, well, the state's on fire. We can't go outside. <laughs> so I can't say we're yeah. shocked as listeners that you're moving. Yeah, don't go back to the fire season episode. <laughs> those are just kind of a bummer. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited. New York is home for me, and it'll be um, it'll be great to be back. And I uh, am just super stressed trying to like manage that move. But uh, we all know that moving sucks. That's not right. You know particularly. And you're moving this summer, right? It'll be this summer. Yeah. End of July. I think so. End of July is the best time to move, especially in New York city. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's sticky. Is a good time, honestly, but, um, yeah, I'll get to spend some time in Vermont this summer too. So that's, uh, that will be fun as well. What is going on with you? Can't wait. Um, I had a great weekend. I just came back from a retreat that I went on and it's kind of a thing that my friend and I do once every six months or so, we'll like rent an Airbnb for a weekend and like four or five people will get together and we're all writers. And so, you know, we'll kind of divvy up the cooking duties and the cleaning duties. And then the rest of the time is spent kind of uh, off on our own in our own little rooms or corners of the place uh, working on writing projects. So I did that. Cool. I worked on a play that I have want- been wanting to finish and it was like frigging gorgeous weather so we were right on a hiking trail and we kind of spent some time where were were you in vermont or Mm -hmm. yeah we were in like jeffersonville vermont Mm. so i highly recommend getting out of your own house after a year and a half or whatever it's been um and even just you know it, it was like a nice break for like my wife had a great time with the dogs. She like had the house to herself and she went to the farmer's market and she ran into friends and uh, Mm -hmm. had some friends over the backyard and just like was able to kind of come and go as she pleased. And I got to like socialize, but in a, in a structured situation where it was like a couple, like a handful of other nice writer people. And then when we, got burned out on socializing. We had a reason to like leave and go into other rooms. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was like a, a very, uh, a very controlled social setting. Um, and you know, you could, I took some walks alone in the woods and it was just like a really nice, uh, break from everything. Yeah. You know? Good to get a break, especially after this year. It's yeah. yeah. I, I got a chance. Uh, like I've mentioned a couple times, I got a chance to go to New York for a friend's wedding a couple weeks ago. And oh boy, that was like a high octane social situation to get back into right. the mix. It was like going from nothing to that. Um, was How many a people lot. were there? Um, so it was about it, a little less than 50. I think it was 46, mm. 48 people. So um, yeah. yeah. Um, and real quick, what have you been watching? 
Oh, man, what have I been watching? Uh, I mean, we talked to death about Mayor of Easttown the other uh, <laughs> last week, but um, uh, oh, I watched I watched um, Mitchell's versus the Machines the other night, the cute little okay. animated movie from the people who from Lord and Miller, the people who did Spider-Verse. Um, oh, nice. And it's a very cute, really fun, uh, has Abby Jacobson and a whole other great cast of people in it. Um, so if you've got kids or you just like movies that aren't scary like me and my wife do, <laughs> um, that's a Netflix one that I liked. How about you? Um, continue to stand Mayor of Easttown. Um, You're going to seal up the envelope that has your prediction in it so we can open it after the finale, right? <laughs> so we can yeah, see if you're I'll, right. I'll do, I'll do that right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I will 100% agree to that. Great. Because um, I, I have theories, um, which I'm not going to spoil here if people haven't seen it, but like you better watch that because I we will be talking about it when that wraps. The other thing I just watched and I want to recommend as like a super fun thing, especially if you were in your mid to late 30s or older, is Girls 5 Eva. Yes, I've been to that too. To watch it. It is <laughs> yeah. hilarious. It's like an up-to-date 30 rock with less problematic jokes um, and just nostalgia bomb for those of us who were around in like yep. the early 2000s with a great cast so yeah highly- just sign up for the free trial of peacock binge uh rutherford falls and girls five eva and then cancel that's what i did yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well great um well let's get to our guest we have a guest and we have to get to yes. that person our guest you've seen him on comedy central stand-up presents you've seen him on conan you've heard him on sirius xm radio He's a regular at the Comedy Cellar and tons of other clubs. Please welcome the very funny Tom Takar. Hi. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. uh, It's nice to see your face again. It's been a while. I know. It's been so long. And look at you. Everybody looks so hot now. Uh, (laughs) This is what I hate about Zooms. The thing that I'm excited (laughs) to not have Zooms is like if I want to put like a piece of tape over my face so I don't have to be like, oh, look at that fat fucking gullet you got there. (laughs) I am told that there are settings on all of these like video chat apps where you can make it so you can't see yourself, but you can see other people. So you're not like like suffering from that strange psychological thing that happens when you have to look at your own face for a, mm-hmm. you know, four hour meeting. And I haven't done it. I don't, I think we're all just vain enough that we have to see how we look at all times. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hate looking at it, but I yeah. have to see it. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It's like worse I have to, to not make see it. sure that there's nothing weird happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the whole first part of quarantine, we were sort of realizing like, Oh, is that the face I'm making yeah. a podcast recording? Because right. that's upsetting for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. good. It's a good thing. This is only an audio medium. Um, what's going on with you, Tom? How you been? What's that's what's new? I'm good, man. I'm I'm all vaxxed up, and uh, nice. I'm I'm fully vaxxed, which is very exciting. And uh, so I'm doing shows again, which is weird. Uh, it's yeah. very strange. And like the even the shows that are in real life now are still kind of weird because it's like like at the comedy cell they have glass like in front of you when you're mm-hmm. on stage, so wow. it's the same as Zoom. I'm just like looking at my reflection, and if <laughs> a joke, no worse feeling than a joke not going well, and then you just look at your pudgy ass face. Oh, you go, oh, you thought that was funny, you little bitch. Um, <laughs> 
So you can kind of like see the, uh, like a bit of the front row through the glass, but also yourself reflected yep. against the glass. Mm -hmm. That is, un mm -hmm. that is very disconcerting. But I feel yep. like the glass and the reflective stuff, like I was asked to perform in a face shields uh, by a club yep. last week. And because <laughs> that was a thing, I could not see a single person in yeah, the audience. Like I could maybe see one dude in the front row, but that was it. And it was like weird having to navigate that on top of not remembering your jokes and yes. <laughs> new shit that doesn't work and all all of that is just ugh. i had the same thing where somebody i was at the comedy attic in bloomington and they were like you can either wear a face shield or a mask and i was like oh face shield obviously because then yeah. people can see my face and stuff and then i put the face shield on for two seconds i was like nope that's not gonna work i will do the mask <laughs> so and you know the mask sucks but if everybody's doing it on stage and people get used yeah. to it throughout the show it sucks when you're the only one doing it and then mm. you look like a crazy person but it's not bad uh it's not as bad as it seems like it would be but i just sometimes think about like what what would two years ago if you could go back in time and just show every comedian what comedy looks like right now it would it's like comedy on mars like yeah. it's such a weird <laughs> post-apocalyptic world we're living in right now yep yep I'm happy that like at least a lot of people in New York are pretty are getting vaccinated and like yeah. it's it's starting to seem okay because I was worried that there would be zero live stand up for another like two years. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. I I I've, I've been wondering because I I'm also you know uh, thinking about reopening a venue of my own here. Of course. Are, are you? Is it your experience? Like, are people? volunteering the fact that they're vaccinated are they asking is it assumed is it like this is a personal decision you know that's a good question because i think what they're doing in new york for a lot of these things a lot of these bars i don't know what they're doing at comedy clubs necessarily if they're like making people do a passport thing i don't think they are but yeah. I, I know for some shows they were uh, because I did this thing at the village underground where you had to either be vaccinated or get rapid tested. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's happening in some cases, but a lot of places are just doing that, that temperature thing that, uh, yeah. who knows if that does anything, but they a hundred percent does not do anything. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I like that we're trying, but yeah. like, this is not yeah. the way. Uh, <laughs> I did a, I did a bar show on a rooftop, but to get into the building, to get up to the rooftop, they had to do the temperature check. This was, <laughs> and I didn't, I, I want to preempt this by saying I was fine. I didn't have COVID, but uh, the guy goes, Oh, you're a little hot. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no exactly. moment of like hesitation. I've never <laughs> seen a single person get turned away from the temperature thing, which makes yeah. me feel like it's it's not a real thing. It kind of reminds me of like when I was a bartender and I couldn't do math and I would look at someone's ID and then I'd be like, they look pretty old. They exactly. Look old <laughs> Did you have you guys gotten it yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. We both got the Hell same that. one, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we both got the bespoke artisan Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Ooh, so you guys are twenty nine percent vaccinated. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to like what the booster. I, I'm just yeah. already looking for the booster. <laughs> You're already thinking yeah. about it. You're like, okay, uh, I got my safety school for the first year, right. but like <laughs> I'm gonna transfer out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm already like researching. Does uh, is the is the Pfizer booster going to work for the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? You know, oh, oh my god, think about that. That, that is, I mean, the yeah, everyone's going to need a booster. It's yep. good, like it's going to be a thing. Um, oh but I will say that like the stigma of Johnson and Johnson makes me less likely to volunteer my vaccination status and more likely to be like, well, you know, maybe I should still like play it safe. Yeah. I'll wear, I'll wear, I'll wear the dumb mask.
Oh, that's so funny. Um, well, I'm glad you're doing well and getting back out there. Um, uh, uh, we like to talk a little bit about like what your jam was in terms of like growing up. I, you probably, no one is a MacGyver fan, but what was your jam when you're growing up TV wise and so pop culture wise? It's, it's kind of weird that I didn't watch MacGyver growing up because I did like, like uh, the shows that I watched a lot were like, I mean, the shows that I really loved were like Wonder Years mm-hmm. and Boy Meets World. And uh, I mean, I loved The Simpsons and Friends and stuff. I was yeah. I was really into whatever they were giving. I watched TV constantly as a kid. Mm-hmm. From the time I was about, uh, I, I believe we got cable when I was nine years old. And from that point on, I was essentially raised by TV. I would, I would come home, watch it until I would go to sleep. And I would do this very disgusting thing that I should not have been allowed to do where, because I had a TV in my room where I would... Uh, I would make myself all tired from uh, sugar, like I would drink very sugary sodas, and I would crash before I would finish my homework at like uh, at like nine thirty or ten, and then I would wake up to watch The Simpsons at eleven, and then I would fall back asleep until like three, and <laughs> when I would like wake up in a panic and be like, "Oh, I gotta finish my homework before school." Oh and, my god! So I was, a, I have circles around my eyes from that still. Wow. I think from being an eleven year old, but. I would watch like I I was obsessed with Dallas. I really loved wow. Dallas. That was the that's what I mean where I'm like I can't believe I didn't get into MacGyver because yeah. I feel like there's such similar eras of like mm-hmm. the type of television and uh yeah. yeah, I loved Dallas. I would watch uh Dukes of Hazard cuz that's the stuff my stepdad would watch and I was only allowed it, when I was younger, I was only allowed to stay up late if I was watching Dallas where right? I, I was like, "Oh, I, I mean, we're watching Dallas. When am I going to go to bed? And they were like, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. too good. Who yeah. shot JR? We got to find <laughs> out. You know? Do you remember what like drew you to Dallas? Like as a child, you're like, this is. It's got to be the step. Right? You didn't follow me. it out by yourself. Yeah, I definitely didn't discover it by myself. <laughs> yeah. I did think Patrick Duffy was quite a piece. And uh, yeah. I think I was like, yeah. I think I was like, that's the type of man I want to grow up to be. And I thought like I, I was just hooked by the drama almost immediately. And also. My mom already had me watching soap operas with her like during mm-hmm. the day when I was younger. So I think I was already kind of like bought into like, oh, this is slightly better uh, yeah. soap yeah. opera. It's a special and, soap opera. Yeah. And I think it was mostly just like, oh, this is what's on. I didn't have a choice of what to watch when I was a kid. So it's yeah. like w- I got into Seinfeld really young because that was mm-hmm. like what that, that every week it's like that's what we're watching. And I was like, oh, I love this. It's yeah. It's great. And then. Dallas was the other, but Dallas was on like every night because it was all reruns from like, I don't remember if it was Nick at night or something, but it was yeah. like one of those things where they would just play it every night, but it was along the same, they did it episode by episode in yeah. order. So it was like, I got hooked. Um, That's so interesting too. That like, I always think, consider Dallas and Dynasty as those shows from the eighties where like it was must see TV of its time because they mm. were kind of the first cliffhangers. They were like lost, you know, like yes. you had to fucking watch the next episode. That's but exactly I, it. It was cliffhangers. Yeah. But I never, mm. I never thought of it as something that people would revisit and watch, you know, in like, it's not like there's a box set of Dynasty no. you're getting in the nineties. You know, like, I would never watch it now. I yeah, like, of course. a show that I watched in full as a kid and I would never, I don't even remember half of the series. Yeah. I, I remember so little moments and I, uh, remember thinking the acting was incredible and I'm yeah. sure it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I have never seen an episode of it and I only know Patrick Duffy from step by step. Step by step. So yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I knew him from step by step too. And that's yeah. when you're a kid, you associate, stuff like that where i was like oh this is gonna be funny as hell and yeah. then yeah. you know you get three episodes in you're like god patrick duffy's kind of a bummer in this yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, 
it does feel like the people I know who watched MacGyver when they were kids were generally people who didn't have cable because <laughs> yeah. it was like kind of the yeah. only thing on. Or, yeah, you know, I guess in the 90s, they were running out on USA and stuff. But um, but it's not surprising to me that you missed it because like I watched it because I had no other goddamn choice. You yeah. know, like I lived in the middle of nowhere and I never had cable. So uh, if I had had cable, I probably would have stayed up until three in the morning watching yes. better shit, you know? <laughs> Well, we want to jump into this episode of MacGyver and talk about it because there's so much to talk about. Uh, but we want to give a little, give our, our listeners a little refresher on what happened in this episode. Annie, would you summarize partners for us? I would be delighted to summarize right. this episode. Okay, so <laughs> MacGyver and his friend slash boss Pete are lured to a junkyard by Murdoch, a clever assassin they thought had been killed years ago. Murdoch locks the pair in a tractor trailer truck, driving it to a remote location. Along the way, Mac and Pete reminisce about the first time they met. We flash back to see them seven years earlier, teaming up to defeat Murdoch. As the truck arrives at his its destination, Murdoch rigs it with dynamite and sets a seven-minute timer for some reason, but MacGyver devises his own IED. He and Pete escape the truck, and Murdoch appears to blow himself up accidentally with a stick of dynamite, but looks are not what they seem, and Murdoch may return in five more episodes of this show. Yes. All right. Amazing. Um, well, we like to talk first about like what's the low-hanging fruit of the episode that we absolutely have to talk about. Was there mm -hmm. anything that stuck out to you, Tom? Well, uh, I mean, right off the bat, that the ending of the episode pissed me off so much. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they already, there's a line earlier. So right off the bat, we, we're to have assumed this guy died uh, in a, because a building fell on him years ago. They say that in the semi. They're like, he's mm -hmm. dead, obviously. Well, then who the hell is driving the truck? It's Murdoch. Oh, yeah. no, he's alive. Yeah. And then the guy goes, we should have we should have looked. We should have checked to see if he was dead under that building. Right. And then the end of the episode comes around. The man blows up in a truck and they and they go, he's dead. Clearly he's in a fire. And MacGyver's like, I don't know. And they don't look. No. There is never any follow through. Go around to the other side of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> there's only still it's not even like a building like the building collapse that's a lot of space where it's like i get how maybe somebody gets lost in the ash there yeah this is just one truck like yeah. they could have just done a loop around and yeah. rather and instead they just walk away it was yeah. the walking distance from them they could have just hauled <laughs> their passes over there and took a quick look yeah yeah i love it i love it uh, I also just love, this is the introduction of the Murdoch character, which if you don't know MacGyver is a pretty big deal. This is just his nemesis who keeps coming oh. back. He keeps dying. He dies at the end of every episode. He comes back. Oh my God. He's more disfigured every time he comes back because <laughs> yes. he's fallen off a cliff or gotten blown up or whatever. I was surprised to see, I didn't realize that as we meet him, he has like, like latex on his face. I was, mm -hmm. I thought I always assumed he started out perfect and got more disfigured, but I'm glad to know that this was the first episode with him. Cause I wasn't sure if like, this was a character we had heard about in the past. Cause this, this yeah. is the first episode I've ever seen in the show. Okay. Yeah. And it was as tropey as I could have imagined <laughs> where it's like, I kind of thought that it was a joke. Like the, Oh, he puts things together with a paper clip and, yeah. like, and like the name of the show. I thought, I thought it's like, Oh, that probably happened. Like, you know, once every like few episodes or whatever. And it happens multiple times in this episode where you're like, why would that be the solution? But good <laughs> on you, bro. But this has one of the most like cartoonish 
earlier in the episode where they do the flashback to the mm-hmm. first time that Murdoch almost kills them and the bazookas are pointed on him. <laughs> and Murdoch leaves and he goes, give him five minutes. <laughs> Where's this five minute number yeah, coming from? Strange <laughs> like deadlines are just beyond yeah. comprehension. I don't understand why he's like, all right, let me set a seven minute yep. timer and then we're going to do this. All right. You guys have five minutes. Like he obviously likes the, you know, he oh, doesn't yeah. want to just kill them. Sure. I, there's two things that were like big low hanging fruit for me. One at the beginning of the episode, Pete is like trying to find something in a cab mm-hmm. and he's like, what am I doing here? And I'm like, you are the most insightful Pete you have ever been. What are you doing here? You're bringing nothing to the table as usual, um, which I always have to point out in every single yeah. episode. I mean, a little backstory for Tom here. Pete is uh, Annie's least favorite character. He was brought in in the second season or end of first season to kind of establish that MacGyver has a boss and works for somebody. Uh-huh. And then, but they just keep yeah. beating you over the head with the idea that they're they're friends, even though he's kind of his boss and his handler. And every time Pete comes into the field to try to help MacGyver out he just becomes a victim so (laughs) he's kind of useless like in general and what's what was surprising to me in seeing their origin story was that Pete had more like confidence and agency in the past than he ever does in the present so I like I just wrote down maybe he should have kept the hairpiece because it gave him a ton of like he had like he had confidence in the gun and the whole thing he was a government agent now he's basically just this piece of shit who yeah. gets in MacGyver's way all the time well also yeah. it's blew my mind in the, and maybe I think this is just a great moment of white privilege where MacGyver keeps tackling his ass when he's trying to kill oh, yeah. Murdoch and, and he's like hey you're on your you're on thin ice brother and it's like what? <laughs> you're you're tackling a cop and all he's doing is like hey one right. more strike and it's uh yeah. <laughs> you're it's, out. it's hilarious the yeah. one thing i will say is i liked murdoch a lot because usually the villains in this show are like like you cannot ascertain why they're doing anything they're doing it's like very um like day player community theater style acting mm-hmm. like this guy it's like okay he's crazy all right i get what's happening <laughs> yeah. he is yeah. fully out of his mind and that's why he's yeah. like in outfits and he is you know yeah. doing he's like trying to disguise himself he's doing all of these crazy timer things it's like all right that at least tracks and like to have a villain with pizzazz for once yeah. i was into it yeah because like up to this point they've been of kind of a different generation they've been like 65 year old white men who are like bad businessmen you know and they're like <laughs> yeah. mob boss kind of characters and this is like the joker you know like it's so yeah. much more fun to watch oh my this god guy. it's exactly like the joker in that yeah. I, there was a moment that i was like it feels almost like they like the uh the heath ledger joker the there's a moment that was like borrowed from this where where the, uh, he's in the hospital when, they, when they're in the hospital oh, yeah, and he's dressed right. up as the nurse. Yeah. And then I was like, that's already like a little bit like uh, the Dark Knight Joker. And then yeah. 10 seconds later, a building explodes right next to the hospital, which is mm-hmm. exactly like the Joker. It was wow. crazy. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Christopher I, Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think we know where Nolan got it from. <laughs> I also love that the, there's no moment where they're like, and here's how he got out of under that building. No. Blowing yeah. up. Like no. we were just like, oh, I guess he just did it. There's oh. no explanation. I I wondered, um, well, first of all, the timer thing, setting the, the seven minute timer at the end, I just assumed, and this is probably a line of dialogue that got cut, that he set the seven minutes because seven is the number of years that, right? It's their seventh anniversary oh. as friends. It's seven oh, years oh, since. Really? Do you think yeah. that was intentional? Oh, absolutely. Yes. 
Why, uh, why would you say seven minutes otherwise? He made a big stink about the fact that it was their seven-year friend anniversary right. at the beginning of the episode and shit. And... The flowers at the end, by the way, were so strange. And like yeah. the fact that Jack yeah. Dalton was even involved <laughs> did not do that, anything for that me. That was some TV <laughs> shit that pissed me off so much, too, because he's like, hey, we were, I was looking forward to seeing you guys. And remember that guy? The whole oh, my God. And there's no moment where they're like, they just smile in the picture. It's like, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't they be like, you're not going to fucking believe this. Yeah. We just had a whole thing with that guy. <laughs> that was my biggest yeah. thing that I couldn't wrap my, ra- my mind around as a kid, where whenever there was like a basic misunderstanding that yeah. could have been solved in two seconds, yeah. I could not handle it. I was like, no, just tell him that you didn't mean to do the thing and you yeah. were doing this. Like, it's fine. It, it's um, a comedic beat, though. It's a trope in the 80s where it's like, yeah. if you and I share uh, a, a secret at the end of the episode and the other person doesn't know and we roll our eyes at that other person, that's the joke. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why that's funny, but in the 80s, we thought, that's the button, man. Yep. Credits, like cut to it's credits. It's not funny, and it's also, it does <laughs> not track the three grown men are going to take a photo holding bouquets of flowers <laughs> like what is happening that is perfect though but they're like oh, we need a freeze funny. frame for the last second exactly. of the episode yeah. so oh, it's yeah. got to be a picture this is packed with all sorts of, i mean what a crazy first episode to watch tom of this show ever because jack dalton is also like a character that keeps coming back and this is a show that does not really recycle anybody except pete jack and murdoch everybody mm-hmm. else is like most shows, it's just like a whole new set of characters comes in, including a new villain, a new helper, a new woman to save. And this particular episode happens to have like Jack Dalton, his buddy, who's kind of a prankster and Murdoch, who's his like, you know, his uh, his nemesis. And then Pete mm-hmm. and the and their whole origin story of how they got together as friends. So it, it we packed a lot into this episode more than usual. It's usually a lo- like a little slower and more boring than this. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I was wondering if like every episode was this jam packed. I was like, this is pretty yeah. good. Like, I, it's better than literally I it within the first five minutes. I was like, more has happened in this five minutes than usually happens in a whole episode. Oh, 100%, and I was like, I'm on 100%. board for this. Yeah, this yeah. was. I texted Nathan while I was watching this. I was like, this is actually a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's stuff going on. Yeah, I think that like it can get exhausting when it's a constantly a new damsel, a new like yeah, little right. kid he makes a connection with inappropriately for some reason, a new like, you know, international locale that he's traveling to to fix a problem that right. only he can fix for some reason. So like this was like, okay, we have some story happening. Yeah, um, yeah. And I had and, fun. I had yeah. fun watching Richard Dean Anderson play a less confident version of himself from seven years earlier, even though it doesn't track with any of the stuff we know about him being a super badass bomb diffusing guy in Vietnam and all this other backstory that he's already established. But it was a fun acting choice, I thought, to have him be like a little on the nervous side. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he has the hero instincts, but he doesn't have the skills yet, you know, um, and Pete being like a little bit more confident and stuff. It was kind of a fun, like the flashback scenes. I didn't mind. I thought it was kind of a fun, like departure from what we're used, used to seeing, you know, Yeah, Pete in his prime was upsetting and <laughs> oddly exciting for me. To watch. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the fact that the about the toupee gag? Because I was just I was just assuming it was like, oh, you had hair back then. But like. <laughs> I think they could have easily not done that. Yeah, they they could have easily it, right? just like yeah. <laughs> made it clear he used to have hair and then yeah. now he does it. Like that's normal, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, they made a choice. Yeah. 
Maybe they uh, didn't have the technology back then to make believable enough looking hair. Yeah, right. To put it on them, so they were like, "We just got to make it a toupee." Yeah, yeah. The audience is gonna know. We might as well cop to it. You know, if we're putting that toupee on, you know that bad boy's flipping around at some point. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, the latex on Murdoch's face wasn't bad for 1987 Mm -hmm. or something. I was like, "Well, it's not a bad makeup job." Um, The part. That was a little confusing to me. I am all for making him flamboyant and and mad, mm. just a mad hatter of a guy. I'm fairly certain, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that each time they were duped by him as a woman, the the voice and the actor was a woman, right? Was, and then and then he, he just turned around and was in the because same outfit, right? It me off because I remember there was a moment where the woman gets in the cab. I was like, oh, who's this hot lady? It's probably yeah. going to be like a love interest for the episode. Hachi sure. Machi, you know? And then and then it's this guy. And I was like, oh, no, I felt so fooled, you know? like I, yeah. there was a moment where he was, um, you know, outside the van in that kind of flashback scene mm-hmm. where it clearly is a woman. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, cool outfit. Like, I'm, I'm glad they got like a woman as part of this crew. Like we're going to yeah. get to see like a fun female villain. And it tricked me because it, they literally cut away and cut back and it was him. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I just realized? Murdoch as a woman was the only woman in the whole episode. Yes, yes that is correct. The yes. only woman Murdoch's in the whole female body doubles. They they actually filmed scenes with women. Yeah. To fool the audience. Damn, that did not occur to me until just now. I was like, yeah. wait, there was not one other woman in the yeah. whole episode. Nope. They couldn't have even made one of the cops that's just like pointing at the building that's going to explode a woman. Yeah. No, not on no MacGyver. Way. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I... It was just odd. It was odd to me that they made that choice to actually physically cast women and then, you know, have him turn around and be in the same outfit. Um, uh, And it also, maybe I'm just like looking for reasons to get offended, but I'm like, it did, I always kind of go back to like, what did we think about a man dressing in women's clothing at that time? You know, and I think culturally, you know, there was still a sense that like that was perverse or, you know, there's a little bit of like, he's the bad guy and he's all fucked up in the head. We'll make him dress in women's clothing and Mm -hmm. he kind of likes it. You know, like it felt a little bit like walking along that line for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just projecting backwards in terms of context for the culture. Cause like, I I think it still works. Like him as this sort of fun, flamboyant cross-dressing villain is Still works for yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with Murdoch like yeah. dressed, you know, in the disguises. Like to yeah. me, like that was fine. What made me cringe was like Pete's reaction to it, where mm. he was like, "That's a man." Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's what I'm talking like, about is those moments yeah. when you're like, "Oh, in the culture, we couldn't handle the right. fact that he was." It was a. It has to be comedic in nature or a crazy person, right? It has to be some right. like it hot or like you know, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, right? <laughs> Uh, the, oh, I got to mention this because uh, I, I saw it coming and I was like, please don't do this gag again. Um, when Jack broke his arm. <laughs> so Jack broke it. He's all messed up because he was, uh, was it that he was roller skating and he was checking out a woman on the boardwalk or something. Right. And he fell broke off the both boardwalk. Legs, like you do. Broke both his legs. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Jack is known for like fake. I mean, he's faked his own death several times on this show um, and he fakes injuries a lot. So my reaction to seeing him in that cast was like, 
He's no, he didn't. It. Like, okay. that's not real. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. What were you thinking of, Nathan? Well, I mean, he's got his legs up in the thing and he's like in the hospital, all that. And when he gets pissed off at MacGyver for ruining his, you know, cab or whatever, he falls out of the bed and he breaks his arm. <laughs> And he's like holding his arm. He's like, oh, my arm. And it's like, oh, that's so funny because he's already broken both legs, but now he's broken his arm too, which is literally the same exact gag we had two episodes ago when Pete Pete, broke one leg skiing and at the end of the episode fell down and broke his other leg (laughs) as a as a comic beat. They were like, that worked so well. So well. We got such good letters. Different character. (laughs) So I was like, come on, dude, find another. You could just see the writer of the last one pitching it again. You know, like. And then they're like, we just did that. And he's like, that was two weeks ago. Nobody's going to remember. <laughs> right. Talking but about. that is the vibe of this show. Literally, yeah. like they have guest stars coming back as completely different characters. They, you know, people will, it will never be explained who people are. It's just got a very like community theater. Like this is what we're doing this week. Um, no one cares about what happened three weeks ago. Um, that's the vibe of the whole show. I think there is an element of like back then they didn't predict box sets of shows. So they were like, nobody's ever going to watch this all lumped Mm -hmm. together. They're going to see it weeks apart. And I don't know. Did they even have reruns back then? Like that was like, there was a, I mean, this was before certainly before this show knew that it would have any level of, I'm trying to think like in 1986, if you were watching TV, would you have seen reruns of something like a seventies show, maybe, you know, mash or something like, Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. But that's like reruns know. really didn't hit their stride. But I until... think that it used to be the case where like you would have to get into syndication, and right. that was kind of a high bar to meet. It was so yeah. like most right. shows were not going to meet that, and so right. MacGyver had no reason to think right. that you know eventually this would all re-air on USA, um, right. you know, in blocks of time. Yeah, the idea of a marathon of the show was never on the <laughs> no. table. So it's like we can yeah. just re-cut and paste uh, yeah. over yeah. and over again with just some different names. Yeah, and that's why they're stealing <laughs> stock footage from other places and. Yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. A um, lot of cutting. And I mean, I will say like, this was not a poorly made episode to me. It was like it, it, the fact that they locked the main characters in a box truck for most of the episode and still managed to make it exciting was good to me. The idea when Murdoch as the woman like slips into that warehouse in the flashback and then Pete goes after him with the gun and the hairpiece and the whole thing, that whole thing looked like a Hitchcock se- se- sequence to me. Like the lighting is streaming in through the slats and like there's this music and they're creeping around together. It just really felt like once in a while, this show will be like, you know, the, the director will take two seconds to light something cool, you know, or two seconds to make a stunt a little more exciting. And you're like, hey, not bad. I mean, I know you're under the gun for 22 episodes a season, but like this one was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on, which I which I liked. And yeah, um, yeah getting trapped in a truck uh, for these two is kind of like weirdly satisfying. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't for once Pete wasn't whining the entire time, which is what he usually does in that situation. And I don't think he got injured and loudly demanded ice cream in this episode. <laughs> right, so that right, was good. Which is what he did last time. There was one thing in the truck that was really pissing me off, which is that they had established that Murdoch 
can hear everything they're saying. In the I know. <laughs> I have the same thought. And Murdoch speaks to them. And right. then they're just loudly plotting everything yeah. they're going to do. And right. now Murdoch can't hear or doesn't care. I don't know. But yeah. it's never acknowledged that like, oh, he's hearing all of this. It's a two-way radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, I thought was like, he said, MacGyver said, is that a speaker? And that's when we realized like, oh my God, there's a two-way communication between the cab and the box. And mm-hmm. right under the speaker, it's clearly a red LED countdown clock <laughs> that is off. <laughs> it's like, oh, is there maybe going to be a bomb with a countdown timer yeah. at the end of this episode? Uh, also, why do we need to give the people inside? I mean, I know he's theatrical, but why do we need to give them a countdown clock? They know they got seven minutes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, so fun. I mean, what did we think about the MacGyverisms of this episode? I, uh, we, we, uh, to me, we got like a few, we got less in this one than usual, I think, because we were doing so much backstory and all that. We got, we had, we had to see MacGyver turn into MacGyver kind of. So we only got like one MacGyverism with the paperclip uh, and the shoelaces. So just, that's like a thing in every episode where there's multiple moments of those. Every 10 minutes, something. Okay. (laughs) Okay. My sense is this is what people tuned in for. Like, they're like, what's he going to do this week? And like, is it going to be sciencey or is it going to be like more action? So it, it, it seemed like this was like the big gimmick. That must have been a weird job in the writer's room. <laughs> to be like, yeah. oh, how do you come up with this weird, like this weird pulley this week? Or like what kind of mechanics are we <laughs> messing with this week? It, it uh, makes me wonder if like how much of it was like which way it was engineered. Like, was it engineered that like just a bunch of yeah. scientists threw a bunch of shit out? On, did you know if you combine these two chemicals, it explodes? And they're like, let's build something around that. Or yep. whether it's like, okay, MacGyver's trapped in a warehouse. This is what he has at his disposal. What can we what can we make him make? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know which way it went. It probably both, honestly. But uh, what yeah. I mean, it, it strikes me as a fun job. But then when I think about like having to do that week after week after week, after every yeah. 10 minutes in, a, in an episode, it must be so hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's why some of the storytelling on this show often suffers because mm-hmm. it's like we are spending so much time figuring out how he's going to combine chemicals and get out of the dry cleaning warehouse or figure <laughs> out what's going on in the back of the truck that we have totally forgot to set any stakes or develop any characters in right. the episode. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so we just had the, sh- uh, the shoelace trick, which, I mean, this this is par for the course for MacGyver, is like MacGyver makes something, it goes very slow, and someone's asking him what he's doing the entire time, <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. describing it. Like, this shoelace trick took him goddamn forever. It's a good thing he had five <laughs> minutes, because he, he needed that to narrate everything he was doing to Pete. Um, I, I needed it, too, because the whole time he was doing it, I was like, what the hell is he talking about? He's going to pull the gas. Oh, <laughs> I needed every minute of explanation. And it <laughs> ended up being the simplest thing. Like, what, what I love about that gag is like, technically speaking, what does the car do? Move forward 10 feet before they blow it? That's to kingdom exactly. come. It's like as soon as the thing, as soon as the doors open, they just shoot the thing. Right. Like they could have just be, you'd be dead. It's tuck and like roll. The bed, the bed thing was the same to me where it's like, yes. oh, this bomb only explodes up. And so, all right. Yeah. So what was the guy expecting? He was just going to jump on the bed. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> right. He's yeah. sitting on the edge of the bed. And then the whole plan is, oh, let me pull you off of the bed. And yeah. so yeah. it's like, why couldn't he have just leaped forward off the bed? It does. It's, it's yeah. a very and, silly and- bomb. 
that was a moment when uh, I was very surprised by that moment because the fact they let Pete uh, know more than MacGyver and save mm-hmm. MacGyver. I know it's, it was sort of a character point where it was like, hey, MacGyver's not MacGyver yet, so he, he mm-hmm. needs help here. Um, but MacGyver 10 minutes ago was putting a shoelace on an accelerator. So like right. I, to not have him MacGyver his way out of that situation felt like, well... I don't know. He's just going to yank him off. That seems like a real cop out, but yeah, it just yeah. was too easy. It was, it did not go. I thought that this was going to be like 10 minutes of the episode where we're, he's getting other people and getting a Sweating crane or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We, so we didn't really get much. We got that and we got the box truck thing to get out of the truck, the sort of bomby builds to get out of the truck. But other than that, yeah, that was that was all of the the tricks and strategies he used. I felt like the weird thing about Pete saving MacGyver is just that we've literally never seen that before. And so the idea that the origin right. was that and that somehow they've switched roles like yeah. did not quite make sense to me. I don't know. I kind of love it. I mean, I, I, I liked Richard Dean Anderson's performance in the flashbacks because it felt like just subtle enough to me. It was like he was he was a little bit more scared. And I don't know, it was fun to watch Pete get to play something else besides a whining piece of shit. It was nice to see MacGyver not have like a level of nihilistic depression (laughs) to the point where he's so calm that he doesn't care about whether he lives or dies. Like that was kind of... Yeah, I think that uh, that was a fresh, fresh thing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Murdoch come back and see what happens with him next. Um, I I don't think we need... We just saw Jack Dalton in the last episode. I don't know why we needed him in this one. Uh, he just didn't seem necessary to me other than as a sort of punchline, you know, to cap off each of the storylines, the flashback and the present. Oh, I have a question for you. Cause maybe this is something that, uh, is a reference to something else, or maybe it was just a fake newspaper. So the newspaper at the beginning of the episode that has like the story about the three guys dying where it's like MacGyver mm, in the cap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that just a fake newspaper that guy made? <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was not a reference to anything at all that we've ever seen before. Murdoch is just so crazy that he yeah. just printed up a fake news. I want to see the rest of the articles in that thing because it, it wasn't just <laughs> one. It, that wasn't the only article in the paper. So yeah, he must yeah. have written like local news. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. 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 He, he had interned. Took a, took a, a journalism class. Paper, yeah. yeah took, a couple of years back. So he just... I love, I mean, there's a lot to question about the first two minutes of this episode and I didn't question it because I was like, why, like, obviously, why is Pete trying to fix a cab in a junkyard? Like, what letter did he get from Murdoch that made him do that, (laughs) right? Because we know why MacGyver's there, but we don't know why Pete is there trying to fix a clearly broken taxi cab Mm -hmm. in the middle of a junkyard because he's been called there by Murdoch? What? It made no yeah. fucking sense. Um, with that being said, though, like a lot of um, shows are set in junkyards. I don't think yes. it's enough. I love it as a setting. Like, no, it's I wonderful. It's great. In a 80s junkyard. What a sh- shitty place. I love it. Yeah. It is also funny that they had they had to have that mi- that magnifying glass where it's like, it's just a newspaper. People read newspapers every day. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't just read the newspaper. Yeah, it's not like secret code or something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just scan this news, this regular size newspaper with a magnifying glass until you notice your name. And that will be my cue to smash your car with you inside. <laughs> All right. I think we should take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we're going to find out more about what our guest is up to these days. And we're going to rank this episode on our super scientific DTMP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Lori. 
And I'm Natalie. And together, we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like, what if you're annoying? So, every week, we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my god, that sounded so official. Nailed it! We're back with our guest, Tom. Before we get to our final segment, tell us what you're up to these days, where people can find you, plugs, etc. Thank you so much. Uh, I am uh, I am going to be this very weekend, uh, May 20th through the 22nd at the DC Improv. So if you live cool. anywhere uh, near DC in that whole region, come out. It's going to be really fun. And uh, I also have a podcast you can check out called Stand By Your Band, where comedians come on and defend music that they like that people make fun of like Nickelback and Coldplay, for example, or Kid Rock. Awesome. And then we're also doing a thing now where it's bands that are underappreciated. Like we just did Squeeze, mm. Jawbreaker, uh, with uh, Chris Gethard and Todd Berry defending each of those. And it's re- it's been really fun. So stand by your band if you're into that sort awesome. of kinky stuff. Well, great. Well, let's move on to our final segment. It's time for It's Classified. We are on a mission to find out what the best episode of MacGyver is. Uh, And so to that end, we are going to rate this episode. Yeah, this is a bit of a sort of rapid fire thing. We're going to rate each of these categories. Uh, Tom, you're our guest, so you go first. This first category is how exciting on a scale of one to 10 did you find this episode? (laughs) See, that's a great question. I feel guilty having my score counted, having not seen any other episodes because I don't have a a barometer, but... I will say I was very stressed out for a lot of the episode. And I it was one of those things where I kept having to check in with myself and go, they're going to be all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way this ends with them being crushed to death or uh, whatever. But yeah. I kept having to be like, God, I was just stressed out. So huh. I guess that that's a form of excitement. I would yeah. say... Uh, there was only a few parts where I fully lost interest and had to keep rewinding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with a, a seven. I'm going to say it was a seven. Cool. Out of excitement for me. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Cool. What about you, Annie? Yeah, I also was stressed. The crushing stuff is is a big fear of mine in general. And like scenes like that always mm. tend to stress me out. Um so that that would like got my heart rate up for sure. I and I was excited. Like I liked that we had like a full on wild card villain um, mm. who we legitimately did not know what they were going to do next. Mm. Um, so I enjoyed that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say eight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel the same way. There were only a few places where it was like it dipped for me. And uh, most of the time, even just the something as simple as like MacGyver deciding he's going to full on side tackle Pete in the middle of the street was like, that's a stunt man doing a fucking killer stunt. They're like, they didn't have to do that. Um, there's just a lot of shit like that where it's like, this is kind of fun and silly. Um, I don't know. This might be one of the most exciting ones I've seen so far. I'll give it, I'm going even higher. I'm going eight and a half. Um, uh, okay. So how well crafted was this episode, Tom, on a scale of one to 10, that's editing, writing, directing, acting, all of that. See, again, this is tricky because it's like for <laughs> what the show is, because yeah. they ha- he, yeah. the ending drove me insane. Yeah. And fact, <laughs> like if we're talking about just writing, there's so many little plot holes and plot devicey things that made me insane. Yeah. That, uh, you know, I did. Like I said, I was in suspense. I liked that it was like 
this guy from seven years ago that they're like, well, he must have been crushed. And uh, uh oh, no, he's not. And that he, I do like that he's like, I'm going to do to you what happened to me. It, it is also funny that he was like, you made me go into that building or whatever. And it's like, no, <laughs> they didn't. Like, that's no. what you want revenge for. Nobody forced you. In fact, you were warned not to go there. <laughs> yeah, so, right. If anything, the, the law enforcement tried to help you. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it had its holes, but it it did keep me on the edge of my seat. And uh, you're right. That part where he dives in the street is really cool. And I think putting him them in that box for the whole episode kind of gave it an interesting little theatery type thing where mm-hmm. they, they had, you know, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go with a six on this one. Cool. What about you, Annie? Um, I mean, for as exciting and engaged as I was, um, there were some big things that were a problem for me. I did not enjoy um, the women being cast only for one second until we cut away and cut back to reveal that it's actually Murdoch. Um, They could have cast literally any woman or person of color in this episode and they (laughs) chose not to. Um, So that's that's not great. Um, and, and yeah, the plot holes were, were a problem. The end was weird and Jack didn't add a ton, Mm -hmm. um, to, to the story. So I'm going to say five, five. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's tricky because I, I do have, I'm thinking back to all the other episodes of MacGyver and this was, it was better executed in general. Mm -hmm. I thought like I was on the edge of my seat almost from the beginning. Uh, it kept the pace up. Some of the, I appreciated that they had something more interesting to do acting wise. Like that the, we're so used to MacGyver doing nothing and Pete being a whining (laughs) little bitch. And so the fact that they had other acting beats to play, um, and, and the introduction of a really fun psycho was, was great. I'll go with a six and a half. How innovative was this episode on a scale? This is a scale of one to five now. Um, mm-hmm. This is like how innovative was MacGyver, his MacGyverisms in the episode. We already talked about this one being a little bit like subpar. Um, yeah. But uh, what would you give that on a scale of one to five, the innovation factor? So the last one that he did, I was like, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about explosives, but it does feel like if you blow up something next to dynamite, that it might set off the dynamite. Yeah. And he was like, no, dynamite's stable. And I was like, I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah. But uh, apparently uh, that uh, fire does not make dynamite go he off. Was, he was really operating under the assumption there wouldn't be a stick of dynamite directly under the bomb he was making. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, he's uh, he's got his back against the wall. It's the only option. I did like that moment where he said that, where he's like, look, it's it's all we have. And right. I, I appreciated <laughs> that. But but uh, the shoestring one, I was like that. You're, it's like we said earlier, the car would. Yeah, the car is not going to immediately go 60 miles an hour. It's a piece <laughs> of shit cab. It's yeah. like it's not going to go. So I, I'm going to go with a. am going to go really low on this one. I think I'm going to go one point five. OK. All right. Yeah. What about you, Annie? So technically in this question, we don't say that it has to be MacGyver who's the innovative one. And so I feel like Murdoch was very innovative (laughs) in this episode. Like he's writing a whole newspaper, (laughs) doing costume changes. He's he's cheating death multiple times. The shoelace thing was kind of meh um, and the cab thing was whatever. But I because of like the Murdoch stuff, okay. I'm going to give it a three. OK. All right. All right. Yeah. I take your point about Murdoch, but I still think this is kind of a low one in terms of innovation. I'll give it a two. Um, all right. Last 
category in this section here is 80s cool factor. How uh, how cool was this as it compares to other 80s pop culture stuff? See, there was not like a lot of like references and like even like cars. It's all, all, all we got was the cab and then that one that uh, that uh, Murdoch was driving mm-hmm. and then the van, I think. So there wasn't like trying to think if there was anything that i was like oh that's really cool to see that on tv right now but it's like there was it's not like they were drinking tab or whatever yeah. or like <laughs> yeah or like uh you know using a simon says so <laughs> i um i think i gotta go low on this one too yeah, i think yeah. I, i'm gonna go with like a 1.75 oh boy all right 1.75 great what about you annie um, I agree. This was not a particularly cool episode. Like we were not seeing beach sunglasses, like all, all of the stuff that like we associate with eighties. There's not like the fast car. There's not mm-hmm. like the cool synth music necessarily. There's not like the outfits weren't really on point when it comes to eighties stuff, which is always kind of what I'm looking for is the mm-hmm. looks, um, couple of the Murdoch, yeah. disguises had some elements but they were not particularly 80s they looked more 60s to me than anything yeah. else mm-hmm. so um i'm i'm gonna say two for this two yeah yeah i thought 60s too when that when the hot hot uh, lady version of my of murdoch got out of the cab or whatever and walked across the street in her little like hat and trench coat i was yeah, like that this was is a 60s. noir like, that's that a, was so not 80s yeah. but, but uh, in fairness yeah. it's a flashback though too so oh, yeah. it was like the 70s or it right. was still the early 80s oh though. yeah you're right yeah because this was 87 you're right yeah. that doesn't stop the producers of this show from reaching <laughs> well, way no, back as we've discussed like the produce like the producers and writers on this show are clearly of an older generation yeah. than macgyver and so like all the references tend to be super dated even for the <laughs> Yeah, totally. Uh, I enjoyed Murdoch's truck driver outfit. It, like I liked his yeah. his mullet and the fact that he was wearing like a workman's kind of like denim thing and mm-hmm. uh, and and just even getting to see a junkyard and a semi truck from the eighties feels really dirty and eighties to me. But it doesn't feel eighties cool. Like that's mm-hmm. not yeah. slick and fun and polished. And uh, so yeah, uh, I think two is about right. I give it a two. Um, all right, there's a couple of bonus questions uh, to close this out here. Uh, they're just yes or no questions. Does he help out an old friend in this episode? Uh, yes, ooh, I would say does yes. Because Jack counts. Does he? Because we don't count Pete anymore because he's been helped so many times. Jack is now a recurring character. Does he get a point? Get points every time he helps Jack now? How much is he helping Jack, though? You, oh, is it because of the cab thing, you mean? Yeah. Kind of. I don't know if he gets this point. It feels like we're not we're not going to give him points for this. I don't think we should. No, I think Jack is out of the running for a friend these days. Because um, <laughs> uh, the reason this question exists is because he, te- he te- we tend to get introduced to an old friend of MacGyver's we've never seen before in every episode, and he's like, you know, help. There, they desperately need his help for some reason. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to give him the point. Uh, okay, is he detained against his will in this episode? Obviously, yes. Yes, yes. several times. Uh, (laughs) If yes, okay, so he gets five points for that. If yes, does his escape from any of those situations involve duct tape, paperclip, or a Swiss Army knife? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uses uh, the duct tape. That was another moment that I had a problem with where the I know that the guy is like worried about getting shot, I guess, but the way that the guy is flailing his hands to get <laughs> to get them duct taped, it's like, all right, yes. you can at least have some dignity about it. I noticed that too. I was like, this would be the time to try to make your move, grab him <laughs> or something, and you're just kind of like nope. on your back like a turtle. Uh Uh, He used duct tape to tape them up, but he used, he also used a paperclip to get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, we're giving him two extra points for that. 
Uh, great. Uh, that concludes it's classified. It's time to reveal the results. Uh, out of a total possible 100 points, this episode receives 60.25 points, <laughs> um, <laughs> which makes it basically the one, two, three, four, five, six. The Johnson making, and Johnson vaccine yeah. season. <laughs> making it like the seventh-ish best episode of uh, the season so far. So it's like squarely in the middle or top middle, um, which is surprising to me. I thought this would score a wee bit higher for, for how it was. But I think the, a lot of that, like those extra questions mm-hmm. uh, kind of killed it. But uh, this was great. Thanks, Tom. For uh, Is there anything else you want to you got, didn't get to say or want to throw in there or anything? This I was think great. I, I think I got it all out there. I, mean, I had a great time watching the show. It was like fun cool. to have. It was fun to have to watch something. Uh, it was and especially something like this that was so silly and like yeah. uh, that I would never have watched without having to. So yeah, uh, I, I appreciate. I, it. I think you got a little lucky in that respect because there we have had guests on who have been like, "Fuck you for making me watch this," because it's like a <laughs> terrible episode. You know, this was like one of the better ones, one of the sillier ones, so it wasn't that bad to watch. Yeah, you you lucked out on this episode for sure. Uh, we we've had friendships broken over yeah. the podcast. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's like the reverse of our podcast where it's like bands that people sure. make us listen to where we're like, I can't believe you're making me listen to Limp Bizkit right now. And it's just <laughs> You know, that's a better way to do it because it probably is easier to get podcast guests on if you're the one who has to do the shitty homework right. and they just get yeah. to bring what mm-hmm. they like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. We, might have to Noted. we might have to retool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say, Annie, before we get going? I've said everything I need to say about this episode. (laughs) This is is now her catchphrase at the end of the episode. Um, Great. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and our socials and our Patreon. It's all at themacgyverpod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check them out for free on Pluto TV or watch on Paramount Plus, which is previously CBS All Access, or you can buy the episodes on Amazon Prime. Join us next week when we'll be breaking down Season 2, Episode 19, Bushmaster. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Good night, everybody. Bye.